0: The executive assessment was introduced by GMAC a few years ago for the executive MBA market, but guess what happened? In this fluid MBA admissions environment, it is gaining credibility and acceptability not only for the executive MBA, but for the part-time, and in some cases, the full-time MBA. What is it? Is it for you? How to prepare? Let's find out in this interview with test prep expert, Brett Etheridge. Welcome to Admission Straight Talk, the podcast dedicated to
1: graduate admissions and helping you approach the application process thoughtfully and successfully. Your host is Accepted's founder and world-renowned admissions guru,
0: Linda Abraham. At Accepted, our mission is to get you to that unforgettable moment when you read your acceptance email and shout, yes, I'm in! Confident you'll be attending the perfect program to help you launch the career of your dreams. Welcome to the 483rd episode of Admission Straight Talk. Thanks for listening. You've seen the stats that most people have a great return on their MBA investment. But what about you? Are you going to see that return? Are you likely to see that return? And how much could it be? We've created a tool that will help you assess whether the MBA is likely to be a good investment for you individually. Just go to accepted.com slash MBA ROI calc, complete the brief questionnaire, and you not only get an assessment, but the opportunity to calculate different scenarios and again, it's all free. Use the calculator at slash nbaroicalc Calc. again. That's acceptacom Calc to obtain your complimentary assessment. It gives me great pleasure to have back on a mission straight talk Brett Etheridge, founder and president of Dominate Test Prep. Brett earned his bachelor's in public policy studies from Duke in 2000, and then joined the Peace Corps for two years, where he worked in Madagascar. He then earned a master's in international finance, trade and economic integration from the University of Denver. In 2010, he founded Dominate the GMAT, which became Dominate Test Prep. Today, Dominate Test Prep provides test preparation for the GMAT, the GRE, SAT, ACT, LSAT, and most importantly for today's conversation, GMAC's executive assessment. The Executive assessment is accepted by many, many executive MBA programs, an increasing number of part-time MBA programs and even several highly ranked full-time MBA programs, including Columbia, Darden, duke Fuqua, Georgetown, NYU Stern, UT McCombs, and Vanderbilt. Let's learn all about the executive assessment. Brett, welcome back to Admission Straight Talk.
1: Thank you, it's great to be here. Now
0: let's start with just a real basic question. What is the executive assessment?
1: Well, you hit on it in explaining who accepts it. So it's a standardized test used as part of the admissions process for a wide range of primarily executive MBA programs in the United States, but also overseas. Uh, And then an increasing number of, as you suggested, online MBA programs, part-time MBA programs, and increasingly full-time MBA programs. It's very similar in a lot of ways to the GMAT exam, which is the, the widely used entrance exam for business school, but different in distinct ways as well, which I'm sure we are going to get into. So, I mean, in short, it's a standardized test that a lot of students are taking right now to get into various MBA programs.
0: And why did GMAC develop it? I mean, it already had the GMAT.
1: Because they were asked to, if the story okay. is correct. Yeah. So I so I actually first learned about the executive assessment myself at a forum that the GMAC hosted at their headquarters in Reston, Virginia, back in 2018. And I think the executive assessment had been around maybe a year or so at that point. So it's a fairly new exam, four or yeah. five years old. And it was my first time really learning about the exam. And at that point, only a couple dozen schools, maybe worldwide, were even using it. And the story they told us, at least, so this is straight from the GMAC's mouth, is that the admissions directors at a lot of the top executive MBA programs came to them and said, look, we love the GMAT. We're currently asking applicants for our executive MBA programs to take the GMAT, but it's a really steep hurdle in the application process for a demographic of applicants who are in their 40s, sometimes 50s, guys, these people have been out of school for decades, and now you're asking them to do the advanced math that's on the GMAT, and you know, spend months and months and months preparing, and like, can you come up with something that's a slightly lower barrier to entry? Not in terms of being easier necessarily, we wanna make sure that the applicants have the quantitative chops specifically, but also the verbal reasoning skills to succeed in our executive MBA classrooms, But let's be honest, they're working full-time, they have families in a lot of cases, and we need to make a shorter, somehow more accessible exam. Can you do that? And so the GMAC went back to the drawing board and essentially used what they already had in terms of questions on the GMAT, repackaged them, reformatted them, made the exam a lot shorter, and the executive assessment was born.
0: How much shorter or how, how long is it versus the GMAT?
1: It's about half as long, so it's a wow. ninety-minute exam. Yeah, significantly. In, in fact, uh, less than ha- ha- less than half the questions, <laughs> and about half the total duration because uh, there are no breaks. So it's like get in, let's get in, let's get out. It's a three-section exam, no breaks between the sections. You just answer questions for ninety minutes, and and you're in and out.
0: Is it online also, or or Correct. just?
1: Um, Yeah, it was, you know, much like the other exams, GMAT and GRE, it was test center only until the pandemic of 2020. And then they took it online. And so now students can take it online or in test centers.
0: Got it. And how is it structured? So I got it shorter. So how do you spend that hour and a half?
1: Three sections. The first section, each section is 30 minutes long. The first section is an integrated reasoning section, which is a section that is also on the GMAT, not the GRE. And you're going to answer 12 questions in those 30 minutes then immediately go into a verbal reasoning section, 30 minutes, followed by a quantitative reasoning section, 30 minutes. I don't know if we want to get into the weeds in terms of the question types, but they're very similar to the questions that are tested on the GMAT. It's just you have fewer of them. You're going to have 12 integrated reasoning questions, followed by 14 verbal reasoning questions, followed by 14 quantitative reasoning questions.
0: Can you get a little bit into the weeds? (laughs)
1: Yeah, we can absolutely do that. So, integrated reasoning is, I think it's a really neat section that the GMAT added um, a handful yeah. of years ago to really showcase students' abilities to do the types of things, frankly, that are done more in business school than a lot of the stuff tested on the quantitative and verbal reasoning sections. It's stuff like reading graphs and charts and figuring out percent change of revenue for companies that you're pulling from tables and you know all of that type of stuff. And so they created these new question Types, they call it integrated reasoning, and that's what comes first. Um, There are four different question types there, again, related to graphs and tables, multi source reasoning, two part analysis. Those are the four question types. What I think is unique, and, and we can talk on, touch on, you know, differences and similarities. One of the big differences, I think, between the executive assessment, though, and specifically the GMAT that also has an integrated reasoning section is that the integrated reasoning score on the executive assessment is part of your overall total EA score. So for the executive assessment, you just get one score. Unlike the GMAT where you get three different scores, the, executive, uh, the integrated reasoning score, your main 200 to 800 point score, and then your essay score, it's all lumped together with the executive assessment. And so from that standpoint, integrated reasoning is more important and plays a bigger role oh, yeah. on the executive assessment. Um, So you start by taking the integrated reasoning section, and as the scoring algorithm works, how you do on the integrated reasoning section actually dictates whether you get a harder or easier next two sections, verbal or quantitative reasoning. So then you go into verbal reasoning that has really the exact same question types as what are on the GMAT, namely sentence correction, where you're basically um, trying to resolve any grammatical errors and usage errors in sentences. Critical reasoning, which is analyzing arguments, strengthening and weakening arguments, and then reading comprehension, your standard read a passage and answer questions about uh, about that passage. So that's verbal reasoning. And then you move into the quantitative reasoning Section, which is composed of two different question types: problem solving, your typical run-of-the-mill math questions, multiple choice, and data um, data sufficiency, which is a unique question type now to the GMAT and the Executive Assessment, which takes a little bit of getting used to, uh, but you know students tend to learn to love them more than problem solving once you learn how to do them correctly.
0: All right, wow, that was a great answer. Thank you. Other than being shorter and kind of having one lump score as opposed to multiple scores and a total, what are the other significant differences between, let's say, the GMAT and the executive assessment, or even the GRE and the executive assessment?
1: Yeah, it's a good question and an important question. And I think the place to start with answering that doesn't have anything to do with the content or the logistics of the exam, but more so with the philosophical role that the exam plays. I talked about where it came from and why the GMAC Mm. designed it and the demographic of students taking it. And as such, it's really more of a threshold exam. That's the way I like to think about it. Unlike the GMAT and the GRE, which are a little bit more cutthroat, really. I mean, students are jockeying for every last possible point. They're trying to score in the 90th percentile. They know they need a really, really high score to get into the top schools. When it comes to the executive assessment, it really is just trying to show the admissions officers that you have what it takes and are ready. The, the GMAC calls it a readiness exam. Like it is simply trying to show that you are ready to go back into a business classroom at age forty-five or what you know whatever you Whenever are when age. you're going. Back. And so, and so from that standpoint, most schools, most of the executive MBA programs, online programs that are asking students to take the executive assessment really are only asking for what would be considered an average score, 150. So in terms of the score range, 150 is right in the middle. Scores range from 100 to 200. 150 is smack dab in the middle. It happens to be about an average score currently. And most schools are just telling applicants, hey, we just want you to get the 150. And that's hard for a lot of students because so many people going to business school are overachievers and they're used to trying to excel and they're trying to get the highest score possible And that's something, frankly, if you're listening to this, I just really always try to encourage my students, you really kind of need to let go of that. And once you let go of that driving desire to do the absolute best you can, it frees you up. Because now the executive assessment doesn't have to dominate your life the way the GMAT dominates students' lives for months and months and months. You're just trying to get an average score. Now, of course, higher is better. And when you're looking at some of the top, top programs, especially some of the top traditional MBA programs that also accepts the executive assessment for their traditional full-time MBA, and now you're competing against everybody around the world who is cutthroat and trying to get top GMAT scores, they do expect the higher EA scores. And so there are some students that we work with who are shooting for higher executive assessment scores. But I think philosophically, that difference is important in terms of the mindset you bring into preparing for the executive assessment. And again, there should be a little bit of liberation there because it should take some of the pressure off of you realizing that, hey, I I need to learn some things. I'm going to have to study. It's not easy necessarily to get even just a 150 on the executive assessment, but you certainly don't need to be shooting for the 90th percentile in most cases. Just circling back real quickly, I think the philosophical difference is huge. Content wise, there's no geometry on the executive assessment. So that's a big chunk of math that students have to learn or don't have to learn, whereas you would have to learn the relevant geometry on the GMAT and the GRE. Um, That's really it from a content standpoint. There's no essay. You don't have to write an essay on the executive assessment. And then from a logistical standpoint, It's not question adaptive the way the GMAT is. It's more like the GRE in that it's section adaptive. I explained that how you do on the first section, the integrated reasoning section sets up the quantitative and verbal reasoning sections. And in fact, they're subsection adaptive. Again, we don't have to get into the logistics there, but there are actually kind of two subsections within each major section. And those subsections adapt depending on how you're doing. But here's what it really means for you if you're listening. And here's just a little test taking hack um, is you don't need to answer the questions in order. So the mistake a lot of students make, and especially if you're coming from the GMAT world, like let's say you've been preparing for the GMAT and you realize, hey, I can actually take the executive assessment or I need to take the executive assessment. You don't have to absolutely answer the question currently on the screen before you get to the next question. Which so many students are used to. You can mark the question and skip it and come back to it like you can on the GRE. And that's absolutely what you should do. I call it picking the low hanging fruit, right? You want to answer the questions that you have the best chance of getting right as you have the most time to get them right. And then in any time remaining, you can go back and answer any questions that you were really sort of struggling with or wrestling with, and, and hopefully then you can figure them out in any time remaining. But that's, that's a big test-taking advantage, I would say, of the executive assessment over uh, the GMAT, for example.
0: So it seems to me like if somebody is not a great test taker, their school accepts the executive assessment, and they just want this, this average score, the sign of readiness The sign of capability to succeed. They're not looking for the high score. It's not going to be published anywhere. Wouldn't it be to the student's advantage to take the executive assessment?
1: Yes. (laughs) I mean, yeah, you're exactly right. And in fact, this is really essentially the same thing that happened a decade ago when the GRE started to make inroads in business school admissions. And for the longest time, it was the exact same deal. Schools published their GMAT scores but not their GRE scores so you could sort of skate by with a lower than you know comparable GRE score now eventually it sort of caught up GRE is more mainstream most schools publish both now you have to do just as well on the GRE i could certainly envision a scenario 5 years from now maybe even sooner than that where the executive assessment becomes more mainstream. They have to publish those results. And so you can no longer sort of get by by taking the executive assessment instead. And and frankly, I I have thoughts on that, which we can talk about. I don't necessarily think that that's the mindset you should go into taking the executive assessment with, or the reason you choose the executive assessment versus one of the other exams. But yeah, absolutely. As of now, it would be a little bit of an advantage for you.
0: What mindset I mean, would you, would you suggest? Because it seemed to me when you're, earlier you were saying that the, the fact that you just need to get this average score is somewhat liberating and will actually improve your, your, uh, your, your chances of success because you don't have that pressure. I got to get the best score. I got to get the best score. Yep. But now it sounds like you're saying maybe that mindset isn't so healthy. So can you clarify?
1: Yeah. There are two aspects of it. Okay. That I, always, I always encourage my students. Whether you're going to take the executive assessment or the GMAT or the GRE, I encourage you to think about it as your first business school class, because there are going to be things that you need to learn. And the executive assessment isn't necessarily easier, even if it's shorter and even if your ultimate score isn't quite as important. So I don't want you going into the exam thinking, oh, it's just going to be an easier GMAT because it's not. In fact... You know, I mentioned that there is no geometry on the executive assessment, and that's true. So from that standpoint, perhaps it's a little easier just because you don't have to do the geometry, but really everything else that is fair game on the GMAT and the GRE content wise is also fair game on the executive assessment. And so in some ways, I think it's almost, if not harder, more more frustrating in the sense that you still have to prepare for almost the same amount of stuff, but you have fewer questions that you're going to see. So my students, you know, students end up preparing for all of these math topics and things that, you know, that could appear on the exam. And you're more likely to see on the GMAT just because you have twice as many questions. And then my students will email me after the exam and and they get a great score or whatever, but they'll be like, but I never saw this. And I never saw that. And I prepared for this and I never saw one of those well, yeah, because you only had 14 questions. There's not a high (laughs) likelihood that you're still, so you still have to prepare for like everything. You're just not going to see as much of it. So it's not necessarily going to be easier for you. You still have to prepare. And what you really need to do is you need to get back in the mindset of, it's time to go back to school. I need to remember what it's like to sit down and dedicate devoted study time and take practice tests and feel the jitters of you know sitting down for an exam. And and that's really what you're doing is you're preparing for the executive assessment. And so whether it's the executive assessment or the GMAT or the GRE, that's the mindset, not, hey, this is easier, so I'm choosing the executive assessment, but rather I'm going to attack this thing with the same vigor that I would for the GMAT or the GRE, it just might take me a little less time to prepare with that mindset. And then, and then the second thing that I would say is, you know, along those same lines, is I, I just never encourage people to take the easy way out of anything in life, right? We want to prove to ourselves that we can do hard things, and so I wouldn't choose the executive assessment because you think it would be easier. Because it turns out it's not necessarily easier. Now, you still might be able to get by with a lower than expected score. So I think the two could coexist. You could take the executive assessment and potentially get accepted with a slightly lower comparable score and still treat it with the, the due diligence that it requires and the effort that it takes to do well. I think both of those can coexist.
0: Right. I hear you. I hear you. it makes sense to me. If you're in the midst of MBA applications, then you may appreciate an easy way to sort and keep track of your many resumes, letters, and documents. With the help of Interfolio, used by 1 million scholars worldwide, you can have a single home for all your application materials and a streamlined way to request and receive letters of recommendation. Receive 10% off with the promo code ACCEPTED22 at interfolio.com accepted. That's interfolio.com accepted. With a promo code accepted 22 for your 10% off. And now back to the show. What about some real good study tips for the executive assessment?
1: Yeah, this is where this is where understanding really sort of the demographic of the exam and the fact that again we don't have to perhaps do quite as well with our score. Is actually a benefit to you as you're preparing for the executive assessment. So, quick 30,000 foot overview. How do you prepare for any standardized test? And really, how do you get good at anything in life, whether it's learning to play an instrument or studying a foreign language or anything you're learning to do? I call it the triad of success, the success triad. There are three components. And this is what you want to study. This is how you want to prepare content. Number one, it's the what there's content you're going to have to learn how to solve for x in simultaneous equations right some of you just broke out in a cold sweat because you <laughs> haven't thought of this stuff forever right how to strengthen and weaken arguments um how you know how to choose the appropriate pose- you know object or subject pronoun In a given sentence, depending on where it is in the sentence, like this is the what that you just have to learn the grammar rules and the math rules and the formulas and things like that. And so there's definitely some of that you're going to have to do you're going to have to dust off those math cobwebs, especially if it's been decades since you have been in a math classroom. That's the what. The second component of the triad is obviously practice, right? So practice makes perfect, perfect practice makes perfect. You need to do lots of practice problems, take full-length practice tests. It's a given. You can't just watch a bunch of videos on YouTube or take a course even and then expect to do well on test day. We're going to have to practice some stuff. But the third component of the triad to me is really the missing piece That is the difference between students who do well on a test like the GMAT or GRE or even executive assessment and those who do really well, and that is strategy. Strategy is getting right answers more effectively, more efficiently, sometimes in non-traditional ways. It's even things like I already talked about earlier with skipping questions, like how do you actually navigate the sections? That's all strategy. It's test taking strategy. It's doing well on this particular test. Because at the end of the day, if you remember how I explained the sections of the exam, they all include the word reasoning, integrated reasoning, quantitative reasoning, verbal reasoning. And reasoning is sometimes coming at questions in a non-traditional way. Bear with me because I'm going somewhere with this. But this all lends to strategy. So often my students who come to me with a, a strong math background or they're engineers or something like that actually struggle in a lot of cases with executive assessment or GMAT or GRE math because they're coming at it in such a rigid, like, I need a formula, I have to solve this the traditional way. And that's a mistake. Your goal is not to make your high school algebra teacher happy. Your goal is to get right answers. And we can often get right answers by coming at questions a non-traditional way. I call it strategy. There are lots of them, non-standard strategies where you can work backwards from the answer choices, for example. You can make up numbers in place of the variables. So you're not doing this esoteric algebra, you're working with real numbers and it becomes a fairly simple arithmetic problem, for example. So these are all strategies that you can learn. And to me, when it comes to the executive assessment, the emphasis should be here, more than even just learning a ton of content and even in place of practice because you can be more efficient with your time preparing for the executive assessment and i think if you focus on learn, learning some of these non-standard strategies and you really focus on the high yield question types that's the other thing too when it comes to uh, you know how to prepare is i explained that yes in theory, there's this huge world of potential questions you could get and very few questions you'll actually see on test day. So let's actually focus on the questions you're most likely to see. And we do know that statistically, you're more likely to see this type of question than that type of question, this math concept, as opposed to this really obscure math concept that maybe if you get to a really hard question, you could potentially see, but statistically, you're just not as likely to see that as some of these other topics. And so if you focus on really studying the right things, you can get ready in a shorter amount of time.
0: Great, what a wonderful answer. Thank you so much. Going off your last your last point, you said uh, you can get ready in a shorter amount of time. What is a typical amount of time to prepare for the executive assessment?
1: I think about four weeks. Were so, the assuming GMA- somebody's
0: working, assuming somebody's working full-time, right? That's right. That's exactly
1: yeah. right. So the GMAC shared some statistics that you might find interesting at the most recent summit we attended, which is that 70%, and this is self-reported, I guess, or, or whatever survey they sent out, but 70% of executive assessment test takers started preparing less than two months before their application deadlines. Mm-hmm. That's in stark contrast to the GMAT and the GRE, where yeah. students are studying months and months in advance. And thirty percent, thirty actually thirty half as many, thirty five percent, only start studying a month before their application deadlines. The GMAC says that you should only need twenty five to thirty hours to prepare. I have found that not to be the case at all. I think you need more than thirty hours if you're going to do above average, and especially if you're shooting for one of the top top schools that requests a higher score like something 155 plus. but you still don't probably need more than 50 hours. Um, mm-hmm. So we're not talking about the amount of time that you might devote to the Gmat or the GRE. And so if you do that math, if you devote six to ten hours a week, even sort of part- time in the nooks and crannies, you know a lot of students will work full time, they'll come home do an hour a day in kind of kind of the evening after yeah. dinner and then a couple longer study sessions on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, If you can get six to 10 hours per weekend times four weeks, you should just about be there. Right, right. Yeah, so it's a much more, you know, it's a lower barrier of entry from that standpoint.
0: What do you think is the hardest part of the executive assessment? We've talked very much about the advantages and the shorter time, but is there uh, a little bit of a trap in having fewer questions?
1: There is. So there's the trap in coming at it thinking that it's an easier GMAT, because just because it's shorter and you have fewer questions doesn't mean you still don't have to prepare for a lot of potential questions. And so that's a trap. Um, And then the the other thing I think that makes it difficult is just getting back into study mode for students who have been out of that mindset for so long. Yeah.
0: Makes sense. Makes sense. What's the most common mistake that you see executive assessment takers make?
1: It's trying to make their high school math teacher happy. It's (laughs) trying to do everything the traditional way. It's trying to come at everything from a strict algebraic standpoint, instead of realizing that it's a reasoning exam. And even on the verbal section, a lot of questions you can get right by reasoning your way to right answers. Uh, And then the second thing is is being a dog with a bone. And what I mean by that is having a question pop up on your computer screen and literally fixating on it and feeling like you have to get it right. You have to answer it. Even if it takes you three minutes, four minutes, five minutes, and now you've blown up the exam from a time management standpoint, right? If you do the math per section, so let's look at the quantitative or verbal reasoning section, 14 questions, in 30 minutes. It's about two minutes per question. Yeah. Now you can spend a little more time on some questions, some questions you'll solve a little bit faster, but on average, two minutes per question, maybe you can push three minutes on a question, maybe a little bit more, but you can't be spending four minutes, five minutes and being that dog with the bone where you just won't let it go. And you just, and it's question number two. And it's like, what are you doing? You know, So that's where learning to take the test the right way, sometimes sacrificing questions for the greater good of your time management to be able to answer later questions uh, because you have the time to devote to them, that's part of the game you have to play. Um, And then I I think the other thing is students, for whatever reason, and I, I feel it's this way more so for whatever reason for executive assessment test takers than some of my GMAT or GRE test takers is they're just reluctant to take full length practice tests. They're really? scared. Of, I don't know. They're scared of actually- That's, that's sitting- funny because
0: it's that's, that's much less of a time commitment.
1: It's much less of a time commitment, but I think they're scared to see what their score is. I think <laughs> I think there's this feeling like they have to be 100% ready before they take a practice test. I have to go through an entire course or I have to do hundreds of practice problems or I need to, um, whatever it is, I need to learn all the content before I sit down and have- a score staring me in the face. you know. But as with everything in life, avoiding it's not going to help. It's better <laughs> to know where you stand, right? Even if that's, let's say your first score is a 142. That's a really below average, not great score. Right. But who cares? Avoiding that doesn't change that. That's your current ability. Let's realize that. Let's evaluate it. And then let's figure out where, where to focus, to what are your strengths and weaknesses? What do we need to work on? That's that's the name of the game. And let's get you up to the 150 or the 155 or whatever it is. So you just learn so much from taking the practice test, both from a time management standpoint, from a figuring out your strengths and weaknesses standpoint. Guys, don't, don't avoid the practice test. It's a big part of studying. And it's a big part of doing well, ultimately, on the real thing.
0: Well, in terms of your your triad, it's the second second leg of, right. the, of the triad, right? That's so exactly one, right. Of, the, of the stool. So how much does the EA cost again?
1: It's three hundred fifty dollars.
0: It's an expensive exam. Yeah, it's more. Yeah, expensive. It's more
1: exp- yeah, it's more expensive than the other two. Maybe they uh, <laughs> they also realize the demographic of who's taking it. And <laughs> right. To maybe so. Maybe
0: so. <laughs>
1: These people have some money. We can charge them a little bit more. But whatever guess, it is, yeah. Yeah. And the other thing about that, though, is you can only take the executive assessment twice, huh. whereas you can take the other exams a lot more than up to, that. Up to um, five times, I think. Exactly, and so in in a calendar year, um, right? And I think
0: eight times lifetime, something like that. That's, yeah, that's right. exactly
1: right. Now there's some wiggle room here. Kind of the loophole is, you can take the in person exam twice, and oh by the way, you can also take the online version twice. So technically, you could take it four times, um, and they they may expand that. My my hypothesis about why that's the case they have their reasoning for for why but my hypothesis is just maybe they don't have quite as large a pool of questions and so they don't want students seeing redundant questions and so forth since it's a newer exam and right. maybe as they build out the question pool to the size of the gmat or, or the gre for example maybe they'll allow you to take it more um and maybe it's something completely unrelated to that and they just say hey this isn't an exam. You're supposed to be taking 10 times to try to get the 90th percentile. And so we're just going to limit you to two tests, but whatever it is, uh, that's kind of the way it works.
0: It's interesting. Okay. but I think your hypothesis makes sense. Anything you would have liked me to ask you?
1: No, I think, I think we hit on it. I think, um, I think the mindset of guys, treat this thing like your first business school class and really don't avoid hard things by thinking that I'll take the executive assessment instead. Do it because it's the preferred exam for the program that you are going to be applying to. Remember that the GMAT was originally designed for business school, for full-time MBA programs, and that's really sort of the go-to exam that excels at testing people's readiness for business school. The GRE was originally an exam designed for other graduate programs. Yes, it's accepted for business school now, but maybe it's not always the right tool for for business school. The executive assessment was designed for executive MBA programs, part-time programs, online MBA programs. And if that's what you're applying for, and that's the exam that they're requesting, you know, as the priority, obviously that's the exam you should take. So take it if you're supposed to take it. Don't avoid the GMAT just because it's longer for the same reasons I just explained. And, uh, and I think that will serve you well. Uh, one final thing that we maybe didn't touch on Please. Is under well just from the practice standpoint, right? Resources like where do you, where how do you prepare? Where do you get the stuff that's gonna teach you the content and the practice and all of that type of stuff? Obviously, Obviously, you could take a course. We have a course. I'm not the only provider of executive assessment courses in the industry. Uh, courses can be incredibly helpful. The GMAC though has a whole suite of official resources on their website, official practice tests, which by the way, are really the only available full-length practice tests on the market. There are a couple uh, third-party tests that aren't really great at this point. So depending on when you're listening to this uh, this podcast, maybe there are some other good options on the market. But right now, I, I send all of my students to the GMAC website for the official executive assessment practice tests. And then they also have official practice questions. Now, here's Here's a little bit of a hack for you that will save you some time. I talked, Sorry, not, not necessarily some time, but some money. I talked about how there's so much similarity in terms of the actual questions on the executive assessment and the GMAT, save the fact that there's no geometry on the executive assessment. You can use GMAT official resources to prepare for the executive assessment in terms of practice questions. And why might you want to do that? because you can get way more questions for less money. The GMAT official guide, for example, you can get that on Amazon or off of the website or whatever for you know, 25 to $40. And there's nearly a thousand questions in that guide. You're gonna pay twice as much money for like 300 questions on the official executive assessment website. So those questions in the GMAT official guide can totally prepare you well for the executive assessment. Again skip all the geometry stuff, but on the verbal side, it's all relevant. On the data sufficiency side, it's all relevant. The integrated reasoning questions, relevant, right? So some some of my students do use the GMAT official guide to prepare for the executive assessment. So that, that's an option for you as well.
0: Great tip, thank you, Brent. I want to thank you for joining me for the whole conversation. It's been fascinating and very informative. Where can listeners and potential applicants learn more about Dominate Test Prep and how you can help them with the executive assessment or other tests?
1: Yeah, obviously DominateTestPrep.com. And we actually have a free six-question executive assessment quiz. So if you want to get a feel for each of the question types, And we provide uh, full-length detailed video solutions for each of the quiz questions where we try to share some cool tips and test-taking strategies and things for those types of questions. Again, head over to the website or dominatetestprep.com forward slash what's hyphen on hyphen the hyphen EA and uh, and you can get there. So yeah, check that out, but I, I appreciate you having me on. Hopefully you guys have learned more about what you're in store for on the executive assessment.
0: I'm sure they have. Can you send me that link and we'll include it in the show notes, okay? I will. And we'll include that link as well as links to uh, Dominate Test Prep and other resources relevant to the executive assessment. And remember, Dominate Test Prep also offers test prep for the GRE, the GMAT, the LSAT, the SAT, and the ACT. They're all going to be linked to from exhibit.com slash 483. Quick reminder, don't miss the MBA ROI calculator. Find out how much your MBA investment could benefit you financially. Take the quiz at acceptit.com slash MBA ROI calc, MBA ROI CLC. Listener, thank you too for joining Brett Etheridge and me for our 483rd episode. If you find the show worthwhile, please subscribe. Make sure you don't miss any future shows, be they with admissions directors, professors, current students, test prep pros like our guest today, or alumni doing great things. You'll find subscribe links at acceptit.com slash 483 or love podcastcom slash AST. Thanks for coming. This is Admission Straight Talk, produced by Accepted, and I am your host, Linda Abraham. I'll talk to you again next week.